it's the worst place to work. It's just, it's just a toxic environment. Listen, one reason to have criminal justice reform is it's the worst place on earth to work. People lose their souls there. I'm talking about the officers. Mm-hmm. People aren't naturally, there's not a natural uh, state of having so much authority over people's lives and, you know, take your clothes off. I'm going to search you, cavity search. I mean, it's just not normal to have that that level of, of authority over people. And I think it destroys their souls. I, I was in jail for 10 years, three officers committed suicide. Within three years of release, two out of three ex-offenders are rearrested. Clearly, something is broken. It's time we strategize ways to prevent repeat offenses. Our brainstorming session starts now. Welcome to A Prisoner's Pardon. It's the worst place to work. Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Prisoner's Pardon podcast with Michi J. That's me, your host. Today, we're finishing up my conversation with Tony Viola. This is the last part. We do have two parts before this. So please go back and listen to the first two parts if you haven't done so already, so you can follow along. Let's jump right into the ending part of my interview with Tony Viola. I'm glad that you're on the show talking about this because this is to bring awareness of what's going on. But, you know, we need to be accountable to just like what you're saying. That's where I was getting at because you are the ones that's going to be in the jury stand. And if they pick you, you should be really looking at evidence, not being all swayed by a prosecutor or even a a defense attorney. You should be thinking for yourself and looking at evidence and looking at and doing math. Basically this don't add up, you know, Knowing what you should be doing, reasonable doubt, you know, you can't prosecute, you've got one doubt. They, is the burden is on them to, to bring the evidence to be able to prosecute someone. They, you should have some basic knowledge so that you totally don't believe everything the lawyers say. You should be thinking yourself about what's going on because I've seen it too because they, they do work together. The judges work with them too. So it's like, what can we do besides, you know, holding them accountable, having some sort of committee, you know, some sort of consensus that we start prosecuting these people and setting some examples. You know, we're not going to tolerate that as a citizen of the the United States. You know, we pay their salaries. Right. You need need to be doing your job or you need to leave. Right. I didn't make uh, Don Nugent become a judge and I didn't make Mm -hmm. Mark Bennett become a prosecutor. They sought those positions. With those positions comes great authority and they they failed to follow the rules. But let me say something. There's a fundamental issue here, too. I agree with what you're saying about being more skeptical and weighing evidence. But there's also a fundamental unfairness that that permeates the entire system. So I'll give you a quick story. I was in the county jail here in Cleveland, which is awful. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it's unbelievable how the officers were beating the crap out of inmates randomly. It was insane what I witnessed. But aside mm-hmm. from that, um, the gentleman that was in the lower bunk uh, for me, mm-hmm. he was charged with rape. He went to a party, uh, apparently was intoxicated, ended up having a sexual relationship or with this lady. He claims it was consensual. She reported it as rape. He said that there were four or five witnesses that were there that he wanted the attorney to interview. He also said he knew her before and they had actually dated earlier. So it wasn't like 
that they had just met. Now, I don't know if he's innocent or guilty, and I'm not saying that he's innocent or guilty because I don't know, but this gentleman never met his lawyer until 10 minutes before he was supposed to enter a plea. And the lawyer said, well, I can't, we can't win. You just have to plead guilty. And he was sentenced to eight years in jail. So that's wrong because whether he's innocent or guilty, he is entitled to at least an attorney testing the government's case. That's what the Supreme Court said a defense attorney is supposed to do in a case called chronic, okay? That a lawyer is supposed to take the indictment and say, okay, this is what they're saying. Let's see. And if you're saying there's four witnesses and you're saying that you had some prior communications with this lady uh, and it was consensual, let me go interview these people. I mean, that's what's supposed to happen. Okay. And then if the lawyer comes back and says, well, listen, I talked to these people or our investigator did, and sorry, they don't say anything that supports you. Okay, fine. Then that person has to, you know, basically take responsibility and enter a plea. But the idea that nobody would talk to him or interview these people is wrong. And this is a, we have a plea agreement factory in this country. Putting people in jail is no big deal in this country. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's just, money. it's just a, a manila folder on some judge's desk. And we got 87 of these today. Let's hurry it up so I can go to lunch. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is crazy to me. I mean, just to treat people like this, Yeah, you know, That's if you believe that mm-hmm. God created everybody and everybody has dignity and, and, and everyone has special and unique skills, it's heartbreaking to sit in jail and see all this all day, every day. This is what goes on. It's a constant plea agreement factory. And the, the public defender says, well, shucks, we have so many, gee, we can't, you know, we don't have enough money. We don't have enough cases. We have $200 billion we can send to Ukraine. Okay. we got plenty of money for that. We got right. money to send ships in the Taiwan Strait. Mm-hmm. We're going to do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. We got all kinds of money for that, but we can't figure out how an indigent person in America can at least have a meeting with an attorney and an investigator to determine whether or not they're actually innocent or guilty. Listen, I was the jail library, law library nerd <laughs> for a decade. Mm-hmm. And guys came in and I was the first person that ever, I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I was just mm-hmm. monkeying around on the law computer and the typewriter, you know, trying to figure out how to do records requests and slog away with our cases. And I I, I was the first person that anyone ever said, man, no one's ever actually asked me what happened. I'm like, forget mm-hmm. the legal stuff. Just tell me what happened, man. No one's ever even asked. So, and the guy had been in jail for 15 years. So, I mean, this idea of this constant indictment and prosecution and incarceration and millions of people doing this over and over again. And I can tell you, I was at a couple low security federal prisons, these prison camps. There was not even a fence. If you could be at a jail with no fence, you shouldn't be in jail. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of the people had addictions. Some had made mistakes. There was a lot of injustices in these cases. There's Mm -hmm. wide disparate sentences. One guy tattled and got 30 days in jail. The other guy got 20 years. In Oklahoma, by the way, this is a great case. There's a guy that supposedly paid the guy who murdered somebody. And the murderer became a government informant against the guy who claims that he shot this person at the the other guy's request. The government now claims that there's no evidence for this and and the case he shouldn't be executed. And they still want to execute the guy. Mm -hmm. And there's there's documented instances of innocent people being executed Mm. by the government. So this is crazy, but but it starts with the idea of prison is for, there is a reason that people should go to prison, okay? If you are a threat to public safety, there is an argument to be made that people should be in prison, but a lot of people aren't. They made mistakes, they have an addiction, the cases are nonsense. In our, a lot of these cases are business disputes. If I took money from JP Morgan, I mean, let them sue me. They didn't even sue me. 
Mm-hmm. Or ask for it back. And I suppose they stole $46 million. So there's a lot of remedies other than jail, but we don't do that in this country. Mm-hmm. We get this mass incarceration system. The other thing is jail is economic development. I was in these tiny little towns, okay, in mm-hmm. Bradford, Pennsylvania, and Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, and Ashland, Kentucky, and Lovejoy, Georgia. Mm-hmm. This is like economic development where mm-hmm. the mayors will build a freeway exit. We have publicly traded companies, Core Civic. Okay, and, and mm-hmm. geo or whatever. They're, they're publicly traded companies that, that have jails for profit. Yeah. It's big business. Buy stock in it, okay, and get a dividend. This is crazy. It's big business. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a rural area. There's not that many jobs. We can hire, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Then there's a hotel where people stay to visit their loved ones. That's not economic development. Okay, let's mm-hmm. build a Walmart or something. This is crazy in our country the way we've thought of this. So it's heartbreaking to see people treated this way. But anyway, the answer is there's no accountability in law enforcement. That's why you have bad results. That's why you have injustice. We have to decide if we're going to, as a country collectively, if we're just going to say, cool, we're just going to allow injustices without any accountability. It's ridiculous. Any organization that has no accountability, you're going to get bad results. This notion of qualified immunity, which is a court invented thing, needs to go. And there's been various legislative efforts to get rid of it so that police and prosecutors who break the law can be sued civilly for damages and can be held criminally liable. Yeah, I would like to see, you know, because what was that, the last reform that we saw um, bill that came out? I don't remember seeing anything on there talking about going after these injustices. I would like to see that when they do another one, I'm definitely going to be advocating for that. Prison reform should not just deal with the inmate himself, but also the correctional officers, the um, attorneys, the defense, the prosecutor, they should be in under that as well. They're saying if we find that without, you know, no doubt that you was, you know, tampering with evidence that you're going to get prosecuted too, that should be also part of prison reform. Now for a quick commercial break. We are so excited to announce on sale now on Amazon is the long-awaited book, A Prisoner's Pardon by C.C. Sky. By the way, that's my pen name. This book shows just how important a father is needed. It goes into detail how a father is needed in not just a family house, but also in the house of government and in the church house. What's happening is all three institutional houses are broken because of no father. The solution to this predicament for all three houses is God the Father, because only through his restoration can freedom be found. Go to Amazon. It's there. Now back to our show. So Right. So reform, right. Reform is a funny word because... You know, reform could be, well, we're going to add more board games to the visiting yeah. room when your kids visit. That's mm-hmm. not the kind of reform we need in this country okay? right. or an extra welding class mm-hmm. in the prisons. Um, you know, jail, I'll give you an example. There's a uh, uh, there was an officer and it's public record. There was a lawsuit who uh, there was a, a visiting room officer who would solicit sex from visitors, wives or girlfriends after mm-hmm. they left. His name was James Wister Barth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we filed a lawsuit against him. He would say to these women, oh, my God, I have to talk to you. I have to meet you outside of the prison. Your husband's in real trouble or your boyfriend or whatever. And they would be like, what? Oh, my God. Well, don't say anything here. I'll meet you at a coffee shop or I'll meet you at a hotel. It was, it was crazy. Uh, but these officers that do this and then get fired go to work at somewhere else. 
So this is like a rotation of these bad apples. So they get fired from a federal prison and they go work at a state jail or the reverse. I mean, this is crazy. They shouldn't be able to work at, do that work again. Yes, it's crazy. We have had officers that have inmate uh, sex with inmates and same thing. Well, you can resign and we won't go any farther. I mean, it's, it's crazy. There's no accountability. I was put in solitary confinement for four months because a journalist called about my case and wanted to interview me. Now, supposedly, there's all these regulations about solitary confinement. You're not allowed to be in there without being put on notice as to why. Mm-hmm. In other words, did you commit a disciplinary infraction? Is this some kind of administrative detention? If it's a non-disciplinary infraction, you're supposed to be allowed to go to uh, church services. You're supposed to be allowed to have some access to your property and your legal work. They just locked me in a cell and said, too bad. And once a week, the warden would walk by and I'd say, why can you guys let me out of here? Mm-hmm. Uh, shut up. That's what they would say. And just keep walking. My family didn't know where I was. My friends didn't know where I yeah, was. because you There's all have- these regulations. You can go in the code of federal regulations and read all these things an hour, a wreck a day. <laughs> so the cop would say, I'm not taking you outside. Well, what am I going to do? I'm locked in a, in a closet for four months. What am I going to do? He's like, you want a form to write me up? It's called an eight and a half. You could write up a, um, uh, uh, you can write up the officer and then you're giving it to he- him. And so they guys would write stuff up and then he would crumple it up and throw it at the yeah, door. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, it's, it's a joke. Very, it is a joke. They do, there is no law in America because mm-hmm. the prosecutors, the police, the prison guards, they don't follow. They do whatever they want. They mm-hmm. do whatever they want. I want to make one caveat, though. It's not all of them, but it's not all. But when there's no accountability and yeah. there's no legal structure, yeah. then they do what they want. Well, so if I want to follow the rules, I can. I will. Mm-hmm. If I want to be a nice guy. I will just right. out of my own. Right. kindness or whatever but right. there's no actual rules because the because what went on was so disparate and it would be so different one officer used to like to sit in the visiting room all day and watch tv and he would cancel the visits 10 minutes before the visit started but who's going to do anything who's well, going to do anything about that guy? you need to get my book i talk about all that stuff about going into those visiting rooms and what we you can be subjected to it's like no you lose everything it's their world they control yeah. everything what are you gonna so, do write them up complain? you can't it don't make and, and you know they would get in trouble going back in if you you don't make trouble for them because they'll say don't say anything because now they're gonna get harassed too right. if they go back into um the facility with that sort of um you know that report against the officer because they're all gonna stick together so right. most of the time they do and a lot of them i wouldn't say all of the guards are that way but you know, the ones that want to do it, their hands are tied too. So, cause they got to work there and they don't. Well, it becomes to- toxic over time. Yeah. I agree that everyone, you know, I'm not saying everyone is bad, but what yeah. happens is the culture. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I've seen it. I was in jail long enough. I saw like criminal justice graduates, you know, start out all excited and wanted to do a good job. Right. And then over time, the culture there is to be cruel to inmates and you want to show who's tougher and who's, you know, like for instance, I'll give you for instance, when I was one-on-one, like one time it was right before Thanksgiving and I got some legal mail and one of the officers paged me to the front office mm-hmm. and he was very nice. He was like, Tony, I have a thing here and you know, you have to sign for it. And this lawyer wants to talk to you. You can use the phone if you want. I'm like, really, mm-hmm. sir, are you sure? I mean, don't I have to have him fax stuff? He's like, ah, no one's here. I don't care. He's real nice to me. But then like two weeks later, when I got some other legal mail, I was fighting my case the whole time. When there was a bunch of officers in the room, he took the envelope and threw it at me. So get this crap out of here. What are you doing your stupid legal work for all day? It's a waste of time. You're a criminal. Get this out of here. So 
so he was nice to me one-on-one when no one was there there because it was right before a holiday and everyone had left except him. But when there were six people there, he had to show that he was a tough guy. So you're right that there's good people, but over time, the, the corrosive nature of the, the prison uh, and the inmates are tough too. I mean, they would yell at these, when I was in solitary confinement, the inmates were banging on the walls, yelling at these officers saying, because uh, they would slip the food under the, you know, the little slat and you get it. And they would say, if you want to give serve food all day, why don't you go work at a hotel and you can see girls and go to the bar? I mean, so they were demeaned. I mean, it's they, just, just a toxic environment. Listen, one reason to have criminal justice reform is it's the worst place on earth to work. People lose their souls there. I'm talking about the officers. Mm-hmm. People aren't naturally, there's not a natural a state of having so much authority over people's lives and, you know, take your clothes off. I'm going to search you cavity search. I mean, it's just not normal mm-hmm. to have that, that level of, of authority over people. And I think it destroys their souls. Not everybody, but a lot of them get corroded, corroded and more cynical and more bitter mm-hmm. over time. One officer, I was uh, worked in education. He actually, you think a prisoner would do this. He had a calendar and he had a countdown on his wall, 14 years, <laughs> seven months, three weeks and two days. Yeah. And I said, sir, what is that? That's when I retire. Oh, I can't yeah. wait. I mean, who wants to live like that? Isn't that awful? Every day you would go and think, oh my well, God. I, I can't say, I think people at a lot of corporate jobs do that too, but <laughs> but not for those reasons. But yeah, I talk about that in the book as well. It's because I wonder why do they become a guard? You know who wants to? What was their motivation? So I've 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 interviewed some correctional officers and got some answers, but like you said, they left for this one particular guy. He did leave for that reason. He didn't like what he was seeing, and um, another one. She she's now an airline attendant, so she switched careers and she you know she did not want to stay in that in that industry. So it's, you know, you got some good ones and they leave, you know, because, you know, it is very toxic. If you have a conscience, it's hard to stay there. I asked a couple of the officers, uh, you know, mm-hmm. why they work there. And one guy's like, listen, man, it's just a job. I just needed a job. I got a wife and a kid and a pickup That's truck right. payment. And I got, I, I don't care. Don't you know, I just applied everywhere and this is, they hired me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I heard some of that. They also give a preference to former military. So I talked to a guy who was in the army and he's like, listen, I had a preference to get in here. My years there counted towards my pension here or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's it. But mm-hmm. honestly, some people do, uh, take those positions because they were bullied when they were kids or they like the authority. I mean, they like, oh, the, they, 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 they like having, that amount of authority over people. Mm-hmm. And I had people that were just, just unbelievable. I mean, one uh, officer um, mm-hmm. told me I had some, I'm very lucky. I have such nice friends. My friend, Melanie came to visit. I have, I have such nice people in my life. I'm really fortunate. Anyway, he, he said to me after, Oh, you should tell these people to forget about you. You're a scumbag. Oh, wow. um, you shouldn't have visitors. Um, and I said, you know, I, tell them they don't have to come, but they just wanted to see if I was okay with it's kind of, it's kind of for them too. I mean, yes, it's for me, but it's for them. He's like, Oh, that's a joke. You're a scumbag. You shouldn't have any visitors. So part of it is sort of like a prosecutor thinks they're on the side of good. And then they, and they justify Mm -hmm. doing illegal things or improper things because I'm supposedly a crook and they're protecting the public. And so I'm a slick criminal. So they're not going to, so if they got to bend some rules, that's what it takes to imprison a bad guy like me. 
So they have this complex of them being good. And so to justify uh, their actions, they think, well, I'm bad. So who cares? I'm a criminal. So they destroy the computers. They know I'm guilty anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's no big deal. So um, there's a little bit of that in the prisons too, where I would never be where you're sitting. You know, you're a scumbag. You're a criminal. You had your day in court. It's a lot of them um, are criminals too. So they go. Well, the theft is unbelievable. I mean, the theft, the yeah. theft is unbelievable. I mean, the, the amount of stuff that these officers were taking out of the prisons was unbelievable. I saw them load their trucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like an organized crime ring. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's a lot of cruelty there. I mean, some people relish the cruelty. One of the guys, the food service officer, he would like to open the chow hall and close it in five minutes. Um, at this place called McKean, this guy, Officer Case, he mm-hmm. thought it was funny. And so if you didn't race over there, you wouldn't get breakfast or whatever. He loved it. He threw the ketchup and mustard away. Sometimes we'd have condiments. They ended that. God mm-hmm. forbid you have ketchup on your um, mm-hmm. hot dog or whatever it was. Um, so I, I don't I mean, who cares? You know, we'll put the ketchup out. I mean, but so in other words, the punishment is supposed to be jail. It's supposed to be away from your family and friends. And you can't have sex with your wife and you can't make any money but not being tortured while you're in there. But some of the officers think that the, the jail itself is not sufficient punishment. So they're going to add to the punishment and they're going to show you, don't come back. That's what they used to say. If you don't like it, don't come to jail. People would complain about things. Why'd you cancel the visits? My, my, my family flew, you know, or drove, you know, for eight hours and they stayed in a hotel. We don't have this kind of money and you canceled it at the last minute. Well, if you don't like it, don't come to jail. So it's, it's rough. And a lot of the good people leave, uh, you know, when I, I was in jail for 10 years, three officers committed suicide during the mm-hmm. time that I was there. Three. So they become very depressed. It's it's the worst place to work. One reason to cut it back is these people aren't paid that much money. I'm sure there's a better use of people's talents than 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 this jail stuff. I'm just I just know it. It's mm-hmm. just it's just a disaster for everybody in there. And it should be reserved for true threats to public safety. We incarcerate so many more people in our country than they do in China, Russia, the European Union, Japan. I don't know. Pick pick any country. We have so many more people incarcerated mm-hmm. with no appreciable effect on public safety because we still have all this crime. So again, mm-hmm. failure by law enforcement means, well, we need more jails and more police because we fail. The, the, the officers sometimes would bring in the contraband to the jail and then they would say, my God, there's all this contraband. We need more cops to police these rotten inmates. So it's this never ever ending circle of we need more resources more training and more yeah. jails and more police. Mm-hmm. And then the other problem you have is all these people make a living off this. You oh. think of who makes a living, court okay. reporters, mm-hmm. probation officers. Listen, yeah. I have to send, I owe, stole millions of dollars. My first conviction hasn't been vacated yet. I was released from prison early, but I'm still slogging. I got to send these money orders, 50 bucks, whatever. I got to send it to all these different people, these halfway house people and probation people and clerk <laughs> of court. And I have to get a receipt and send it to somebody else. I mean, this is a lot of make work jobs. I've been drug tested for 15 years. I've never done drugs in my life. I asked, why are you guys drug testing? me? You know, I'm a nerd. I don't do drugs. And they said, we know you don't do drugs. And I said, well, why are you drug testing me? And they said, because the boss makes me do 40 of these a week and everyone else is doing drugs. But when I call you, you come right down. So we're going to keep drug testing you, even though I don't do drugs. Mm-hmm. So I said, so if I did do drugs, you would drug test me less. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's absurd. That's true. That it's is absurd. True. What is that? So the waste of resources of human it's potential in this yeah. in this ridiculous criminal justice system is terrible. But I do think more than the waste of money is that it's it's just so just it's a look, 
Senator Booker said it best, so I'll steal what he said. It's a stain on the soul of the country to treat people like this, to incarcerate people like this, to be cruel to people uh, that maybe made a mistake or have an addiction. It's just wrong not to have more. And then what I see, though, too, though, not to interrupt you, but some of the times I'm seeing that it's like backwards. They're releasing the violent people (laughs) and putting in the people they shouldn't be in there to me that's not violent and not a threat but the ones that are i've been seeing a lot that's our threats they're letting out so i don't really get that it's because they're cowards <laughs> the law enforcement people in the prisons would rather have a nerd like me <laughs> reading a now. history book about world war one okay? they're gonna be safe but we're gonna be <laughs> i mean i mean listen i might as well just share this with your audience i mean people are not exactly afraid of me okay <laughs> yeah some old skinny dude i mean i'm not exactly oh you now know. it makes sense now okay we so right exactly <laughs> they're cowards you know listen i was in high security jails Mm-hmm. And I was in prison with people that, you know, one guy murdered people with an ax. I mean, like these, these do that life sentences. Let me tell you, the correctional officers are afraid of those kind of inmates. Mm-hmm. First of all, they're violent. Mm-hmm. Secondly, they have life sentences or near, near enough. Yeah, what close can to you life sentences. They have nothing to lose. Right. They have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Some nerd like me, you know, or a guy with a real short sentence, people with short sentences are not going to go beat up the police. They want to mm-hmm. go home. Yeah. Okay. So if you, if you're, some government informant or you have some white collar case or you pled guilty uh, or some low level drug case and you have two years in jail. Those aren't the kind of people that are going to attack the officers the, I saw it happen in the higher security prisons. Those were all people that. What you know, were you food. doing in the higher security anyway? What are you talking about? Well, You're- when you fight, when you fight Mark Bennett, Dan Caceres, these people are vindictive. When you fight and say that you're innocent, oh. you get what's called diesel therapy they <laughs> ship me all over the country okay oh, uh, holding jails chicago mcc philadelphia brooklyn oklahoma city lovejoy ashland i mean they put me all over the place uh, uh canaan um, um lewisburg bradford pennsylvania cca youngstown wow. uh rice and beans every day so the answer is when you fight the government, they find ways. So they claimed I was a threat to public safety and I had a long sentence. I had 13, almost 13 years in the federal case. So they said, well, you can't go to a prison camp. So they put me at these high security prisons. I did not know this. I wasn't looking forward to going, but no one ever bothered me there. The inmates, I mean, because I, I went to trial and mm-hmm. I was fighting. So it, there you become like half of a rock star because <laughs> you didn't plead guilt. I had no... They thought I was, well, first they didn't know what I was in there for. And they were like, dude, it's not illegal to sell a house. You're full of, you know, S blank. And I'm like, no, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really here for that. And they, they grabbed some jail cell phone and looked me up and they were like, okay. So if you, if you fight at the higher security jails, you're okay. Uh, And some of the guys have a brutal time there. If they have these sex cases, sex offenders, or, you know, became government informants or whatever, but but uh, I, they never bothered me. So I actually could hang in there, even though it scared the heck out of my family and friends. They'd come visit me and there was guard towers and rifles and all it's, this. Yes. I have no criminal history. I'm a, a realtor, right? I, I, the realtor uh, association, whatever, audits us. The state of Ohio, 
you know, audited us. We had never had any problems. Yet the Justice Department puts me in jail for all these years and mm-hmm. sends me to high security jails. But they mostly did it to just pr- prevent me from doing legal work, to constantly shipping me around. Wow. Journalists couldn't contact me. The government is, they use their authority mm-hmm. uh, to smash. I mean, they tried everything. I mean, it's amazing we're still here, everything. but I'm still standing. But they tried a, everything to stop me from fighting my case. That's the human nature. So to recap this, we're about to end this. Like, this is like classic. So I haven't been surprised about anything you said. Probably one thing though, that they shipped you to a higher security. I was like, you're not high security. Why are you there? But um, all this stuff we experience all the time, like going in and out of these prisons, like you don't have any rights. So what, no. you know, we we did say about what we need to do is being accountable as citizens. You know, like you said, we didn't think about this stuff before, you know, eating pancakes and stuff. But as citizens, we need to first be aware that this is going on. And, you know, just be discerning. So, and also start holding some of these people accountable, all of them accountable if we can, you know, with the prison reform, actually introducing this into legislation, you know, because they don't want to run it, if you if you know what I mean. They're writing this, so they don't want to write in stuff that can hold them accountable. So we need to hold them accountable as citizens to start asking for this to our, our senators, you know, to our representatives to say, we want to see legislation like this. So what else would you say and, and just a quick recap on like what what is the the big takeaway from all this for you we need to start cutting some of these jails i mean we just we have to start reducing our expenditure expenditure on this every year the fbi gets five six seven percent more money it's just growing exponentially okay. we just have to stop we don't have to yeah. cut it in half or free right. you know defund it completely what if we just freeze the budget yeah. I mean, they would whine like it was the end of Western civilization. If we just said, FBI, one year, we're just going to freeze the budget. Okay, that would be one thing. We just have to That's stop excellent. allocating resources to the destruction of people's lives. And yes, you have to ask your um, political candidates, hey, what are you going to do about this problem? The other thing, too, on a human level is if you uh, know someone who's incarcerated, man, I'll tell you, a letter uh, went a long way. My friend Kara used to send us books. We would write book reports mm-hmm. and send them back to her, what guys thought of the books. Um, so if you know really? someone who's in prison or you could even help um, through prison ministries, if you have religious beliefs or you're part of a religious organization, um, you know, one guy named Bill, he donated $10 a month for little rosaries, you know, like whatever, you know, mm-hmm. religious materials, find out how you can help even small contributions make a difference. When If someone's released, you know, it's brutal to get employment, to get housing, and to get a credit card or whatever, the bank account. It's really, really hard. So that's the other thing, too. We we have life sentences. Even if you have a, a go to jail for a year or two or five, it's a life sentence. In terms of employment, the mm-hmm. barriers have to end. So we need a little more mercy and forgiveness in our country, and we need to reallocate the government's use of resources and authority we are treating our own citizens as enemies. I was treated like a mass murderer, shackled and leg chained and bags over my head. There's no reason for this and it has to stop. So people of goodwill need to come together and work together, uh, share ideas and create a national consensus. So let's be part of the conversation. I don't have all the answers. Um, If anyone wants to know more about my particular case, we give the website, thefreetonyviola.com. Your thoughts and ideas are, are welcome and appreciated. If you're a victim of injustice, don't accept it. Do mm-hmm. not tolerate injustice. I don't care what you do legally, but you want to take some action. 
create a blog, reach out to people, find other people that were similarly harmed. Do not tolerate injustice. Some people think, a lot of people think, well, no one cares. People care. I care. A lot of people care. So uh, if you're a victim of this, don't, don't, don't take it. Don't sit by, not selfishly, not just because you're not like, like, I don't think I'm fighting for myself. They already ruined my business. I mean, I was in jail. I mean, I can't undo 15 mm -hmm. years of this. I just don't want this to happen to anyone else. Right. So if you're a victim of injustice, mm -hmm. yeah, let's get, let's get together. Let's, let's brainstorm. Don't accept it because what's happened to you is going to continue to happen over and over again. We want that to stop. So, and I salute you. I'm glad your book is out. It's exciting. I, I'm excited to read it. I, I, I'm thrilled that you're doing the show and that you uh, allowed me to chat about what happened to me. But let's stop this from happening in our country. This is something that we can stop. We, we, can. we can. We have the, we, just we can work stop together. It. We just need to work together to do it. Right. I can't do it on my own, but no. collectively, yeah. we can do it. We can do it. And a the lot. countries, mm -hmm. the countries, the country changes over time. Mm -hmm. And things that were acceptable 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 years ago are not acceptable now. And we need to make this this injustice also to be unacceptable so that our kids or grandkids years later think, wow, I can't believe that happened. Um, we can end it. We have to end it. Wow, that is excellent. I loved everything you said. And I can't wait for everyone to just come to your website. Please tell them that Michi J, you heard him on Michi J and you love what sure. you heard <laughs> on uh, prisonspartan.com. Just try that website as well. And um, I'll put everything in the show notes and, and so that everyone can know how to reach you just in case they don't get your website. FreeTonyViola.com and you can find that we've got a petition on change.org to hold these prosecutors accountable. They should be charged criminally for their actions. There's also a link to uh, justicefordawn.com, which is the whistleblower in our case who came forward bravely. You can learn more about Dawn's story and what her courage and what she tried to do. So we welcome all of it. Um, you can always post a comment on our blog. People can be guest bloggers on our on our website. If you want to share your story, feel free. Ideas are welcome. So sure, uh, let's continue the conversation uh, in, the, in the future. That was the end of the show. I can't tell you just how important this show was. It was so much to unpack just in this one episode. Remember, we had three parts. I had to do three because this was just a lot of information and all of it was important. You may need to go back and re-listen to this, share it with other people as well because it is really good information about what's going on in our criminal justice system. Here are my takeaways. One is accountability. Our government needs to be held accountable. We as citizens ourselves need to be held accountable because we need to be involved in civic affairs. We need to be paying attention. This is a show to do that. I'm talking to myself too. So this is so easy to slip into. Tony mentioned how he wasn't even concerned with this. But do you hear the passion in his voice? It should be passion in his voice because he's experienced this. The inmates themselves, especially the ones that's doing it over and over again, need to take responsibility for their actions. I'm talking to those. Some, they're innocent. Some, it's probably just a mistake once you know, those are not the people I'm speaking of. My second takeaway is it's a toxic environment 
not just for the guards, but for the inmates themselves. Guards are committing suicide. You also see them just leaving their jobs for good reason. Mental health. It is a toxic environment. This is a threat, not just for the inside of prisons, but for the outside as well. So we cannot compartmentalize this. This is an issue for all of us. My third takeaway is, like Tony was saying, these are fundamental issues. This is not about corrections. This is about business. This is a issue for everybody. So we do need to come to some consensus so that we can work together to solve this problem because there is a breakdown. Lastly, there are some biblical references here. In 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2, it says, pray for those in authority. We need to be praying for the people in authority. As it says in scripture, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. We need to pray for them. It's not an easy job to be a leader. We can see it can be very toxic. Also, biblical reference is to Job 34, 18. It's leave ultimate accountability to God. God does govern. He condemns kings. It says in scripture, God condemns kings and rulers when they are worthless or wicked. So he will come in and judge. It's not in our timing or when we think it should happen, of course, but ultimately he will. Thanks for tuning in to the show. For more information on our guests and resources, visit prisonerspardon.com. If you're enjoying the content, follow, like, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, please be sure to leave a rating and review. Until next time, God bless.